Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Ken Combs. He is the president and CEO at CQC Home. He was born and grew up in Durham and is committed to the diverse city. It's warm and generous people and the wide range of activities and opportunities it offers. He feels a strong sense of commitment to give back to Durham and will continue to sponsor activities there that benefit the entire community. Now for my conversation with Ken Combs. Hey, Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, bud, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys at? So I'm Kenneth Combs. Name of the company is CQC Home, short for Custom Quality Carpentry, but we're DBA CQC Home. We are in the Triangle, uh, Durham, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and you know, full full service design build company, about 23 employees now. So we do about, about 95% of our design in-house and then, and then project manage all projects. Good deal. Good deal. Well, I'm sure it didn't start that way. And especially with the name of the company that you just said. So I'm, I'm curious, what did, what did the, the first year look like? How did it all get started? I started swinging a hammer when I was 19. And oddly enough, and this is a true story. I had just gotten married and I had my, my wife was pregnant at the time. And I looked in the newspaper for, I was like, man, I need to get a job. So I, was, I looked in a newspaper and I saw an ad that said, no experience necessary. And I said, well, that's me. I said, <laughs> so I went so I actually got a ride over to the job site and it was a custom home builder, kind of what I call a, a it was like an artist, did everything himself, did about one home a year in the million and a half dollar range or whatever. And um, so he just came on and and he was hiring a laborer. And so he brought me on and I, I worked for him for about four, almost four years until I was about 22. And I, I learned that he was just kind of like a starving artist. Uh, he was really, really good and everything was perfect, but he didn't make a lot of money. And I've always been entrepreneurial. So I was like, man, I can do this better than him. So I started custom quality carpentry when I was 22 and went out and, you know, building staircases, decks, porches, things like that. Realized really quickly I was wrong and I couldn't do better than him. And (laughs) so I 
that screw, screwed up a lot, a, a lot of projects. So it's how, I'm sorry to any of those homeowners out there that are having to deal with that stuff that I did, that I built back then. But anywho, learn the heart, you know, just by doing it every day, or I would work projects that would should take, you know, two weeks, it would take me four weeks, you know, whatever it was, whatever it took to get done. But I did that for probably took me about three years to really start kind of get my groove and start learning things. So 2011, I, I decided that I needed to bring the guys that I had working for me on 1099 as into uh, actual employees. So overnight, I became a real company. And then, then I had to start transitioning to learn how to be a businessman from a, a construction worker. So then I spent the next two or three years studying any and everything I could get from remodeling magazine, you know, builder magazine, whatever, books, online, of course, and then just learning how to be, run a, a, a business. And then 2015, became Design Build, brought on my first designer. And then just kind of like with what I had learned from just all the different industry resources we have, what I had learned that that was kind of the best direction to head and the best value for the client, our best experience for the client. So I brought my first designer on and just been growing every year from there. That's cool. So you said it was 2011 when you like brought people in house and and started to build out the team. I guess what were some like early like surprises when you kind of made that shift? Well, a couple of things I, I learned that it's very expensive. So uh, workers comp, paying half their taxes, insurances that I didn't even know I needed, things like that. So for some of the early earlier things I learned it was very expensive. I very quickly had to learn job costing. I had never really I had always done everything kind of on a notebook. But then when when you're when you're running 12, 13, 14 projects at a time, but then you don't, the, the, your bank account's not going up. There's a problem. There's a problem. So I learned how important kind of cash flow was. We had a lot of cash flow kind of like meetings just to try to figure out, you know, where the money is, how we're doing it. So it took me about two years or so to really kind of nail down EVAs and understand how things should be costed and, and estimated properly. But that was kind of one of our biggest early struggles. And one of my other really early struggles was I brought on a partner because I thought I needed someone more experienced or more better at business, things like that. And I didn't do my proper due diligence and, and he didn't he, and he ended up not working out. So I gave him, I gifted him 25% of the business at the time. And then within about a two years, we realized it was it was going south. And then I ended up, ended up having to buy him back out of it because I didn't do my due diligence. So that was probably one of the other kind of major early things, I, I, bad decisions that I made, I guess. So, And now I'm sole owner of CQC. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. What do you think in, in thinking about just like the first few years, like what was exciting about that? Because there's so, so many challenges and so many hurdles. Like you said, you like projects would take you longer, you're figuring stuff out, but like what kept you going or what was like, you know, because as entrepreneurs, you just get punched in the face a lot. And so you got to keep going. So I'm curious what kept you going. I, I, the passion of it, just like being mine, not having a boss, you know, controlling my own destiny, seeing the finished products when I, when I were done with things, even if at the time, now I'm looking back, some of them were wrong or not done well. But at, that, at the time, I thought it was great to kind of Kind of the, the, the kind of construct something right here in remodeling or building right. We're, we're starting with a, a, a pile of materials and ending up with something beautiful, something built, and it's so it's kind of the the joy of that. And then like I said just a lot of it, just like being mine, not having you know creating my own schedule, even though it was, the job was kind of running me at first. But creating my own schedule, not having to answer anybody, not having to show up at eight o'clock to you know clock in, clock out, that type of stuff. Like that was kind of kind of fun and exciting. And I always just kind of was looking forward to like what it what it could be. I always felt like it could be better. And I still do. I mean, even today, I was just had a, a meeting with a realtor on the business coach at lunch. And 
was just saying like, you know, no matter, even though we have really good processes and systems and things are, it's running pretty like a well-oiled machine, I still feel like it could be better. You know, you always feel like it's a house of cards, right? It's always like, well, what is it? I don't know, you know? And that's, and I've kind of had that my whole career with CQC. It's like, what is it I, that I don't know? Because there's got to be something I don't know and it's going to screw me over or I'm going to get screwed over. So, and so that, that kind of fear of always kind of wondering what's going on. I've kind of always had that, but but the excitement of like what it could be, what's next, giving people jobs, working with people. I actually enjoyed early on, like paying people. Like it, it was cool to be like, here's your check. You know what I mean? Like I, like I, like I was at the, the joy of like being able to say like, I'm helping this person help their family, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. That's something that always I thought about too, is just like how many, what's the ripple effect, right? Like you're providing jobs and that's supporting their family or their family's family. And you kind of just like extend that out and you realize like, oh, okay. Like even if you have a small team, you know, you're making a difference in, you know, those lives and you can, you can excel at that. So no, that's super cool. And you kind of talked about a couple of like big milestones, like when you first brought team on staff, but then when you went design build, I'm curious, as you think about just like, when you first started, went out on your own to where you are today, I always find like, there's a few big pivot points or like decisions that you made were like, wow, that really set me on a positive trajectory. Do any of those stand out over the years? I mean, obviously, definitely going to design build was a big one. Another really big one was when I, and and I, I, I kind of think it's probably around that three between three and four and a half million dollar mark was bringing on I call it operational director, but other people call it general manager or whatever, right? But but somebody that has a, a different skill set than what I have. I, I as an entrepreneur, I'm really good at communicating with people, with sales, with like ideas, but like when it comes to like the details of things and actually getting getting the operation like I can tell you what how I want something to be done, but actually physically making that happen and doing it on a computer and like building out you know SOP scope of works and things like standard operating procedures, like bringing someone else on that was good at that that was critical and, and now and it is to to this day. I mean that w- w- without that. I was just constant, constantly buried. And there, there is, and I would, what I've, I've noticed a lot of construction company owners and remodeling company owners struggle with is like letting go and trusting, trusting someone else or other people to, to do their job and do it well. So I always tell people, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. I want everyone around me to be smarter than me. I want every, my designers to be better designers than me. I want my accountant to be a better accountant than me. I want my builders, you know, carpenters to be better carpenters than me. Right. So I'm bringing on someone that kind of complimented what I do for the business, but did the things that I didn't do well, and then helped me to like run the business so I can go out and bring in business and, and do the, you know, and continue to help grow the vision and do the stuff that I want to do. That, that was probably a really critical change. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like you're definitely the classic visionary and you brought in the integrator and Absolutely. yeah, that, no, that's great. That's cool. What do you think has been one of the the toughest parts of entrepreneurship and growing a business? I mean, it, it might sound cliche, but it is, it's, it's lonely at the top, man. If you're always the boss, you're always the boss. Like, you know, I go into my office and like everyone is, I mean, it's great because it's positive energy, but they're all like, blow a smoke up my ass, really. <laughs> I mean, we're like, it's part of my language, but like, you know, they're never mean to me. They never like, they never help me. You know, they don't correct me. You know, it's, it's, you're always like, there's no, you feel like there's no real like someone that you can kind of talk to on your own real level, I guess. Everyone around you just, you know, so, so that, that's always been a struggle. I've always felt kind of a little lonely in that, in that sense. There's a lot of benefits. Don't get me wrong. The benefits definitely outweigh the cons, but that's been one of my struggles as I've, as I've grown the business. 
Yeah. And I think that's why like a lot of people jump into peer groups or that you find outside coaching because yeah, nobody's going to give you the feedback you need to get better. So you have to <laughs> go find that's it somewhere right. else. Yeah. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. In construction, there's always like, a wacky project, crazy client story, like something kind of off the wall, anything coming to the mind that you can share? Obviously, you can leave out personal details and that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, absolutely. So well, I, I'll give you one that I screwed up that cost me a, a crap ton of money. So early on before, as I was just transitioning into design build, and a lot of guys do this, when, when you take a project from an architect, if you don't really study the details, a lot of times you can look at it at a high level and kind of what what I you know do what I call you know the wag method, wild ass guess, right? Where you're 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 like kind of estimating it, but you don't know the details specifically. Now we're now anything over five hundred dollars, we get a price for a hard number for anything, no matter what it is. But back then, I, I, we would just kind of guess it to the best of our ability. Well, we had a, a architect give us what to turn a garage into a music room. Well, that seems really simple and inexpensive, whatever. And if I remember correctly, we charged them about $75,000 to do it. Well, I think it ended up costing me $150,000. Cost. Ouch. So not only did I not, I paid them $75,000 to do it, right? Because I couldn't go back and ask for more money because I gave them a contract for it, right? So long story short, like, you know, to do a true music room, now it was great when it was done, they, you know, you could play the drums in there and you couldn't hear it the next room over. That's how quiet it was. But it, but the architect, you know, to do a true sound room, it's, you know, it's three layers of drywall with soundproof insulation between it and special caulking and special doors and special, dry, every, every, you know, everything is very engineered and specific. You can't just wing it. And, and if, and if you do it right, it's amazing how, how quiet it is. But I say that to say, if you don't study the details and we didn't look at the details, we're like, oh, we're just going to close it in this garage. That should be $75,000. No. And then, so now we would go through every single detail and make sure something's not missed. So that was one that I, I will always stand out with me because I paid them to build their music room and yeah, they love it. Don't get me wrong, but it cost <laughs> me a lot of money, a lot of headache and a lot of sleepless nights because at that time it was hard to come $75,000 was hard to come by, you know, when cash flow is tight. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's another one of those like classic real world MBA like situations where <laughs> take the lesson and go, well, went to school on that one. So <laughs> that's right. Well, and, and what the, the upside is, has exceeded the downside, right? The lessons I've learned from that have, have, have paid themselves tenfold, but it's a hard lesson, man. It's a hard, 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 what is it? A hard frog to swallow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm curious, what what gets you excited about the future? Like, where are you guys today and what's on the, the horizon in the next three to five years? 
Well, for me personally, what was so I have built my business where it's pretty much management run now. I only spend between five and 10 hours a week working with CQC. My operational director pretty much runs the show. And so, so, so that's great. So that's given me the opportunity to actually go out and do a couple other things. I've, so I've started a, like a, a business where I'm helping a smaller remodelers in the 500,000 to $2 million, you know, grow, giving them operations and systems and behind the scene marketing and you know, all that good stuff to help them kind of grow their business. So that's kind of my future passion. Right now, I'm not fully there, but I might see CQC this year will do probably around 16 million, somewhere between 16 and 17 million. And my goal is where the plan is, our business plan is January 1 of 2023, or not, sorry, of next year, I'll, I'm going to make Daryl CEO. And that's when I'm training him right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm coaching him up right now to do that role. And then I will step out of CQC and just go to the board. And then I will focus my attentions on my other business, which is a nationwide business. And then and then he will kind of run that for me. And it'll be kind of like a passive, I'll just be advice and whatnot, but he will be pretty much running the business. So that's kind of what's for me, what's kind of up and new and exciting. As far as CQC, I mean, our team is growing. We pay top 1% of the, in, in the country as far as like pay rates for everybody. Everyone's, you know, Rising Tide raises all ships. We work really well together. We're in a phenomenal market. I was telling you earlier, like similar to like Austin, you know, Apple just came here and Facebook's about to come here and Google's coming here and all that good stuff. Amazon's coming here, you know, so all of the people that follow them. So it's a great market and and we're kind of a, we were a small market. So when all these big people are coming in, it's like growing really rapidly. So it's nice to just kind of follow the, the kind of the hockey stick of the growth and be part of that and be in that energy and which brings new people and new, you know, all that good stuff to, to the area. And, and so, so that's kind of what's fun and exciting for us around here. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of positive stuff on the, the near horizon. What do you see as maybe like a couple of big challenges either for you guys in your market or just like nationwide, like the industry is going through over the next 12, 24 months? In general, our industry has struggled a while with like keeping up with technology. There are a lot of new cool things coming out, but the reality of it is, is like compared to other industries, like we're still very much, you know, kind of behind the, behind the times. I mean, you know, we're getting like we're we're working like with Leica cameras now to do existing conditions and you know things like that and, and lasers and whatnot. But really, I think as the pace of life speeds up and people want things faster, following old slow processes that people don't like the people that that transition and will succeed and the people that don't are going to continue to struggle because people are, are wanting things quicker and faster and more efficiently and so figuring out ways to to innovate and and use you know new technologies and things that have been created and or create them to help to 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 be able to innovate I think it's going to be really important and I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that I think they're just thinking about what's the next job and how do I get it done right so yeah yeah no I think that's good well if you could go back in time and like tell your younger self in those first like three, four years of business, some, you know, one, two pieces of advice, what would you relay? Something I just said a few minutes ago that I, I really, it wasn't until I was, you know, probably about 10 years in my business that I really started adopting it is like, rising tide raises all ships, you know, like trusting people, working with people, the success of other people around you helps your success grow and not being, you know, not, not, not to be like, I just got to take care of myself. But when you actually like people say it all the time, like the more value you can offer to the marketplace, the more will come back to you. You don't have to, you have to think about it. You don't even have to worry. Money will come. Money will come to you if you give value to the marketplace. So thinking about other people, how you can service people. Probably the second thing is like we harp on this now, but like we are a service business. 
yes, we swing hammers. Yes, we, you know, we build porches. Yes, we build we remodel kitchens, right? But we're a service business first, right? So, you know, being genuine with people, responding, being thoughtful in your communication, being positive in your communication, answering your phone and getting back to people quickly, right? That's a, that's a big one that a lot of people struggle with. But like the reality of it is, is like, you know, I would have told myself like, don't, it's not so much about the project that you're building, although you have to build it well. And I think building a, a, a good project is a minimum standard for a construction company. But understanding that like the service is really the key for a business to be successful. And if you offer great service, people will sometimes look past your flaws as far as like your actual construction knowledge and how well you build things. And that can be, you know, you can train aptitude, right? But you can't train attitude. And so, you know, I think I would have told myself like, just focus on the service, trust people, lean on people. And I think I would have been a lot further, a lot faster had I done that. That's good advice. In thinking about the whole journey up to this point, what's been the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur and growing a business? I mean, just right now, the the most rewarding thing is probably, I mean, well, really two things come to mind. One is the freedom because like, you know, obviously, I mean, you can make money doing lots of things or whatever, but like the, the freedom and flexibility, once once you get to a point where you can pretty much do whatever you want on, with your time, you know, that's the one resource we can't get back. That That's really rewarding to be able to like, if I want to just get up right now and, 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 and fly to uh, Hawaii, I can't. I don't have to be here. I'm not tied here. I don't have to go check in at a job. I can, you know, I've built it, you know, the business is is built in a way that it's, that I can, I can kind of do whatever I want with my time and I don't have to check in. And then also just like probably the more rewarding and probably the most rewarding would be just like seeing the career paths of watching people grow through coming through my business that have, you know, I had a guy that started as a, a laborer and went to carpenter, then project manager, and then general manager ultimately. And so, and, and, and then went off and started his own company. Right. So, which is, I mean, which I, I I'm totally fine with, right. I mean, I, of course you want to keep good people, but understand I mean, he wants to be entrepreneurial just like I do. Right. So, so, so I don't I have no shame in that, but I, he, and he's doing really well and he's been successful. So being able to see people's kind of career paths and life paths grow and be part of their chapter of their life that helps them to get to that point. That's been pretty rewarding for on individual people that have, that have kind of come into my life and I've helped through, through that path. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Well, Kenneth, there's a lot of other remodeling companies out there listening. If you could leave them with one piece of advice or kind of final words of wisdom, what do you want to leave them with? Know your numbers, man. Know your numbers. I, I Too many times I, I talk to people and they just like, what? I mean, gross revenue doesn't matter. It don't matter how much, I mean, you got to make, have revenue in order to ultimately have net profit, but revenue really doesn't matter. It's how much money you're actually taking home, understanding your numbers, knowing your numbers by job, every single job, where every penny's going. I mean, EVAs by job in remodeling are so critical. So, you know, you need to know exactly what your overhead is for your company. You need to know exactly what your desired profit is. You need to know what that that's after taxes and after owner's compensation, exactly what you want the business to have left to be able to help them to help the employees grow and thrive and give back to them, but also to help the, the business as itself and, and grow and thrive. But if you don't know your numbers, you're just flying flying blind, really. So knowing your numbers by job, and then of course, collectively or by job that all averages out to all your jobs. And then to your corporately as your company, understanding your numbers on what you need to sustain and grow the company. If you're not growing, you're dying, right? So, and and to be able to give back to the employees so that you can keep them and you can help them to, to continue to grow their careers and be successful for your clients. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Great advice. Well, Ken, thanks so much for sharing your story and your time with me today. No problem, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. 
every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.